Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Welcome. This is Elise Bowie with the Maximum Mom Podcast. And I am here today with Stacy Brown Randall, who I refer to lovingly as the referral ninja. <laughs> Stacy, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much for having me. I was excited for us to be able to do this today. Absolutely. Me too. Well, first, tell us a little bit. I always like to find out about who makes you a mom. As you know, this podcast is usually focused on lawyers, business owners, and mothers, you know, that kind of trifecta. I realize you're not a lawyer, but (laughs) wow, do you help lawyers? So I would love to understand who makes you a mom? What does your family look like? Yes. So my husband and I have been married 16 years, which is kind of crazy to think about. (laughs) I guess it starts with him, right? From that perspective, uh, we've been married 16 years. We have three children. So two are biological and one is our nephew that we have custody of. So both boys, Jacob is our biological son. He's 13 and he's in eighth grade. And Danny is our nephew who is 13, 14 tomorrow. So he's about 10 months older than our son, Jacob, but they're both in eighth grade. So it's No, I would say I got two boys and eight and people like, oh, twins. I'm like, no, not even close. So, and then people are like 10 months apart. How does that work? I'm like, again, because one of them I did not birth. And so then we have our daughter, Mackenzie, who is 11 and she is in sixth grade. So we are all up in those middle school years right now. Yes. I we are just feel loving it. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, are, we are gritting our teeth and loving it. <laughs> oh my gosh, middle school is an adventure. <laughs> like, yes, yes, it is, and it's you know it's an adventure that has a lot of like creepy turns in it. You know, oh. like I didn't see that coming, and I would prefer not to go through that. So, it, well, it really does, and just the developmental differences, even between girls and boys. I mean, you probably have a similar development. You know between your daughter and the boys, even though they're, you know, separated by several years. Yeah. Which is interesting. You know, it's interesting. The most I think that we are learning is I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. When I had kids, I was like ready. Like I was like, I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to read all the books. I'm going to read all the articles on Facebook, right? Like I'm going to know all the tips, all the tricks. And I have had moments in my parenting life where strangers have come up to me when my kid is like freaking out. And I did one of my like, like tricks on them. And like, they calm down because, you know, I read it on Facebook, like not like I'm some kind of expert. And I have had strangers come up to me and be like, that's one of the best parenting moves I've ever seen. Like I was ready. And then they moved out of like the baby and toddler and cute ages. And they got to middle school and I was like, okay, I'm out of my league. Like there are not enough books that I could read. They're not, I mean, there's just not like there's, you know, they're different. I mean, obviously with our nephew, with Danny, you know, he has difficulties obviously that we deal with. I mean, we took custody of him at seven. We didn't know he existed until he was five. Like We didn't even know he'd been born until he was five. And before we took custody of him at seven years old, he had had 11 different homes and caregivers. So you can yeah. just imagine, you know, just, I mean, we're all broken, right? But like just the brokenness that kind of came into our household and then didn't have the first seven years when I was like that amazing mom who was like on it right. and like just trying to parent a new child and have my kids get older and him get older. I mean, it's a journey at least. Yeah. 
It is definitely a journey. I mean, I historically have done a fair amount of dependency work. So worked with children, you know, who've been taken out of the home because of abuse and neglect and have those similar stories. And I mean, it is wild what people, you know, do when they do adopt a child like this or go over the caretaking. I mean, there's a lot to be done, but I mean, the love and structure you bring, you know, can be obviously just life changing. For the child. Yes, they don't typically, most children don't typically show gratitude for it though until they're much older. So you live in this place of like, come on, dude, like, look how our family has changed for you and to make space for you and the dynamics and the shifts. I mean, my son went from being the oldest to the middle overnight, like in an instant. And, you know, Mackenzie went from having an older brother who like really loved her and liked being around her to having another older brother who didn't really care for her because he'd been an only child. If you could consider yeah. it that, right? I mean, like it made life, it just changed a lot of things. And I'm like, I could use some gratitude now. Like, I don't want to wait till yeah. you're 25. I would like it now. Not, that's that's not how it works. Not gonna happen. Right. No. It is it is. I mean, sometimes my selfish prayers are like, come on, God, just make him say thank you for more than just dinner, please. Like I, that would be awesome. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. I mean, I think no. all moms feel that way, you know, about their children, like just having that moment where somebody would just step back and say, I see you trying, you know, as a mom, because that's the part that I found. So I don't know, it was a real struggle, like all the things you go through, the trials and tribulations and, you know, just problems. And it was rare where you felt like you were actually seen for your efforts, you know, even if your efforts weren't successful. I mean, obviously I failed a bazillion times. But now, you know, that my children are older, we have like that 19 to 29 range. And sometimes, you know, they'll say things like, you know, wow, like if I could be, you know, half as good a mom as you, like my life would be successful. I mean, literally, if I could just frame that and just hold it in my heart for the rest of my life, you know, you feel like, okay, somebody did see the work you were putting in, you know, it's like anything that's like worth it on the back end because it goes smoother. It's easier or somebody recognizes, we know it took so much work on the front end and that is motherhood. That's parenting. Like mother or father doesn't matter, right? Like that is parenting. It's like you put so much in and you really don't necessarily reap the reward of those moments of, Oh, look how good I did until way later. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting that we're talking about this. Like I recently read a book this weekend that was kind of game changing for me. And I forget the title. I don't have it in front of me, but it's like Gap versus Gain. And it's a book that really just came out like in the last week or so. Dan Um, Sullivan. Yeah, exactly. And it was such a good read about measuring your progress in the rearview mirror rather than towards the ideal. Yep. And oh my gosh, was that thought just game-changing to me. And as a mom, you know how you always have like ideal aspirations for your children and what they might be, you know, working towards or what vision you might have for them, but being able to look backwards and see the progress they've made. And I'm sure you've seen that, you know, in your nephew. I mean, the progress made from age seven to now is probably so monumental. You can barely get your head around it. Yeah. And I would say that it's funny. I first learned about the gap versus the gain at Dan Sullivan when he wrote the book with Benjamin Hardy. And I remember hearing it for the first time, like, yes, yes. We focus so much on the, what we didn't do, the gap don't focus on the gain and it's an everywhere, right? I mean, it's not just in business. It's it can be in parenting. It can be in your marriage. It can be in your family with the relationships with you have your parents or your siblings or it's everywhere. We're so good at looking back and being like, oh, I thought I'd be further along or I thought the situation would look different. 
And in reality, that's just ignoring all the gain that we actually made. Oh, it was, I mean, literally that book has revolutionized my brain since Saturday. Love (laughs) it. um, (laughs) It was really helpful. Well, I want to talk to you and kind of transition into what you do. Tell us about your work. I mean, with referrals and the referral network. I mean, I really do think of you as a referral ninja. Tell us about what you do, how you do it, and what that means for attorneys and law firms. Yes. I love that you think of me as a referral ninja. I think that means our marketing is probably working. Yeah. We have our referral ninja quiz that we have people take when they're first learning about, hey, I want to do referral Stacy's way. We have them take the referral ninja quiz and they literally land at one of three levels of a referral ninja where I want people to be is that referral ninja master. But the way I teach referrals is entirely different. And I know everybody who's watching or going to be listening to this later, they're thinking to themselves, I know about referrals. I know kind of how I'm supposed to get them. And more than likely, you've been told that you got to ask or compensate or network to know a ton of people or be really gimmicky and promotional or just hope they happen because you don't want to do any of those other what I call old school referral triggers. And we have this deep-seated like attachment in a negative way to all these things or that we're supposed to do if we want referrals because it's all we've ever been taught. And like everybody else who starts a business, I was like, okay, let me get some referrals. Like this would be amazing. And then I'm like, wait, I got to ask? Oh, wait, I got to give a kickback? Oh, wait, I got to put, you know, referrals are the greatest compliment you can give me in every single one of my email signatures. Or I'm like, what do you mean? Get a network every night of the week? Like I got three kids. I can't eat that many rubber chicken dinners, whether it's on Zoom now or in person, like that's just not going to work for me. And so for me, I was like, you know what? I want referrals and I want to grow this business in the right way possible for me. And I was coming off a business failure when I started my second business. So obviously I had all blinders removed and I saw things differently than I think most people did. And so I was like, you know what? There's nothing to be said that I can't figure out for myself, for my second business to be successful, to not land in the business failure club again, to figure out referrals differently. I mean, I'll tell you, it was like throwing spaghetti on the wall. It was like, what will stick? what will work, what will produce a referral so that I don't have to do anything that makes me uncomfortable. I don't have to do anything that's going to make the other person uncomfortable. And I don't have to, you know, risk, you know, missing out or losing our relationship because I'm being too pushy or too aggressive or, or too desperate. Right. And so I was like, let's just try some stuff. And literally that's what I did. And in my first year, um, I was a business and productivity coach at the time with my second business. And my first year I got 112 referrals that I didn't ask for. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was like, I'll just do it all over again. Right. And I was like, okay, great. We'll just do it again for the next year. Well, it was around that time, my clients who happened to be small business owners, solopreneurs, sales professionals, they're like, great. Thank you for teaching us how to be more productive and how to tame our inbox. We'd rather know how you're growing. And I was like, referrals. And they're like, teach us. And actually the first person I taught it to was a financial advisor. And the second person I taught to was an attorney. I think that kind of started my path with the, all the attorneys I would eventually help. And I did, I taught them and having to teach it to them forced me to realize the process and what I do and when I do it. I reverse engineer a lot when I was building it, but not paying attention to where I could explain it to somebody. When I was forced to explain it to them, this was almost 10 years ago. I was like, oh, there's a process here. 
And I took that process and I was like, this is what I want my business to be moving forward. And I kind of did both the referrals without asking peace while the one-on-one coaching, and then made the shift into just teaching the referrals without asking peace and, and recognizing that there is a way to generate referrals in a way that we can get what we want, meaning referrals that are good quality and can do it in a way that honors who we are and honors who our referral sources, the people who refer us are. That's amazing. I mean, what is the thing that makes you want to help other people grow their businesses? I mean, like what fuels that in you? Two things. One, I know exactly how painful it is to fail. I know Mm -hmm. exactly what it feels like to look at your business and have your CPA be like, you're in the red that you can't even get the childcare tax credits because your business didn't make a profit or something Mm -hmm. to that effect. I just remember being like, this is the most insulting thing ever. And having (laughs) to go back and get a job. I know what it was like to be in corporate America and then to taste that entrepreneurial freedom in my world and then have it taken away from me four years later and have to go back to corporate America and get a job. So if I can help somebody avoid business failure by helping them grow their business in a way that works for them, I'm all for it. The other thing is I live for light bulb moments. I love it when somebody is going through my program. Actually, I just got an email before we started recording that someone's like, oh my gosh, they're in my program about two months now. And they're like, oh my gosh. This is incredible. I get it. I see what you're saying. This is working. It's awesome. And it's those moments of those light bulb moments that, hey, we can do things differently and have success is really what I live for. And so I think that comes for me from like the business failure kind of mixed with those light bulb moments is is that I know Mm -hmm. that's a great path forward to help people avoid something while also showing them a way to see things differently. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so powerful. And when you mention about doing things to get referrals that only are things you're comfortable doing and fit within your life. I mean, to me, that speaks so closely to moms and people who are juggling all the things they're juggling. And I think, like you mentioned, you know, having all the rubber chicken dinners. I mean, who's got time for that when you're, you know, bringing kids to soccer practice or dance or whatever you're doing? I mean, it's hard to go to all those things. You know, it's funny. I look back on my business now and I think, wow, how much it's grown, how much it's like thrived. And then I think about the moment this spring where my husband and I realized that between our two boys, they were on five baseball teams. And it was almost as if like, why do we work? Because all we do is run around like Uber mom and dad all day long in the afternoons. And it is, it's that ability to know that my business is growing and I'm not having to like stress about it every single day. And it's growing, as you said, in a way that works for me and also works. And that's ultimately what I want others to experience. Absolutely. I just think that's game changing. I mean, to be able to live your life and be available, you know, for your children. I mean, I was the Uber mom as well. And it, I mean, you can't undervalue the value of those car rides. I mean, a lot happens. Sometimes it's the only time they talk to you. Completely. Oh, I mean, I have pulled over off the road and had, you know, two hour conversations because that is when a child wanted to talk to me about something. And, you know, you, I had to be available to be there. I mean, I just had one the other day with a child. And like I said, mine are older where I had a child who literally needed to talk to me for four hours in the middle of the day. And if I don't have that freedom, I can't be the mom that I actually want to be. Right. And yeah, I just think that's amazing. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, 
discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video. We are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. Well, tell us a little bit about how you do help people. I know you have a book, a podcast. I mean, you also have a course. I mean, tell us, like, how can people learn about you, learn about what you're teaching and be able to engage with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. We have a book. It's Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. We have a podcast, Roadmap to Grow Your Business. So just kind of like how you do decide you want to consume information. We got lots out there. We've got articles on our website. The home base is stacybrownrandall.com. And Stacy is spelled with an E that gets people every time. Yeah. You know, and what we like to do and the way that I like to run my business is that I want people to understand what's possible. And I want them to make sure they have like an overview of what things look like. But Mm -hmm. then to your point, yes, of course, we have an online program and the option to work one-on-one with me. We offer both online and one-on-one. It's not like one-on-one coaching where you're with me every month, but it is a package packaging of how we provide the teaching to you. So we have our VIP level and our self-study online program as well. And we're in 10, 11 different countries all around the world right now. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's a lot of fun to be like, Oh, we're in Australia and New Zealand and Singapore. And we, I think last year we brought on an attorney in the Bahamas, like just really cool in terms of um, where we get to reach people. But ultimately what I want people to understand, whether they consume all the free stuff that I've got out there, all the content, or they decide to work with me is that there is a way to generate referrals that will work for you. And the way that we teach it is by one simple philosophy. And that is referrals come from relationships. And our responsibility is to make sure that we are staying connected to the right relationships. And we define those as our referral sources, but there's two types. And when you're thinking about referral sources for your business, I want you to know that you probably have existing referral sources and lots of attorneys have other attorneys as some of their top referral sources. We see that a lot when we work with attorneys. So you have your existing referral sources, the people who have referred you, like what are you doing to take care of them, to stay top of mind and use the right language to continue that connection and continue that relationship. And then the other piece is, is, well, what if you need more or you just want more people referring you, those potential referral sources? So we try to get people to look at it from both lenses. Like, okay, look at your practice, right? And understand that you can be getting referrals from existing referral sources. And we want to teach you how to nurture those better so you can get more referrals or maybe just consistent referrals from those Mm -hmm. referral sources. And then more than likely, you're going to need more people referring you, not always, but mostly. And so we want you to know, how do you take a client or contact? Maybe it's another attorney, maybe it's not. And what's the process that you follow to turn them into a referral source where you don't ever feel like you're manhandling them or forcing something on them. And you're really just kind of developing a relationship and letting things where it feels like you're letting things kind of naturally unfold. There are specific things we're teaching you to do that kind of keep that moving in the direction of referrals. And we teach both strategies to business owners. That's awesome. And I love the thought too, of tracking things, like having some type of data around it, because it seems to me like one of the things a lot of attorneys do is they'll network and they might have tracking around the actual networking, but not around the productivity. I mean, I hate to use that word, but almost the productivity of the networking. 
And how do you look at your referral sources and how do you determine, has it been working, not been working? What can you do better? You know, how can you help your referral source and and actually offer value to that person as well and track all that? Yeah, I would say everything starts with the least sexiest part of business, which is data. (laughs) I know there's probably data nerds out there that are like, what are you talking about? It's not sexy. It's like the best thing in the world. I love the stories and the information that data tells me. I don't always love the whole collecting of it from that perspective, but it absolutely starts there. It absolutely starts with understanding where you're starting from. Like if we know where we want to go, let's first figure out the path based on where we're starting from. And data is always that starting point and recognizing who are your referral sources. And that's where I tell everybody that we start. Like that's the first step when you decide to work with me. It's stuff we talk about in the book because I think it's so very important. Talk about on the podcast. It's like identifying your who. Who are your Mm -hmm. referral sources that are referring you now? And who do you wish was referring you? And those are two different lists and we treat them differently, but it's really understanding the data behind this. And what I find so fascinating is a lot of business owners they don't know this, but they believe they know their data. Like I have people tell me all the time, oh, I'm a referable business. Like I get all my business from referrals. And my favorite thing to say is prove it. Like yeah, show me, prove it. show me your data. And I remember I worked with one person one time and when we were starting working together, he was like, I've got 36 referral sources. And when we went through it and actually looked at what his data really revealed and who these people really were, he was left with 13. And I was like, hey, 13 is better than nothing, right? But like we thought we had 36 because people get this information wrong when they don't really look at, okay, who are our referral sources? How do we define them? What are we looking at? And then it's not just that they've referred you before, but do they have the opportunity to continue to refer you? We'll all get the one-off referrals that are amazing, but we can't duplicate it because that person, the referral Mm -hmm. source won't come across that opportunity again because they don't have the opportunity to, but we can always be strategic about who has the opportunity to continue to refer us. And that's where we want to focus because we've got a lot of stuff to do running our firms, running our businesses. Absolutely. We need this piece to be laser focused. Well, and I think too, at least for me, it's been kind of a blind spot for me around thinking of referrals and networking as a way for me to grow my business rather than thinking of it as a way for me to help more people. And I think that's a big mindset shift that people need to think about. I mean, if your business is, you know, truly helping other people as your business does, and my business obviously helps people through divorce and family transition, estate planning, like I want to help as many people as possible. And that, you know, thinking of referrals as a way to fuel being able to spread your help out, I have found to be very helpful. Yeah. And I think from that perspective, the shift in mindset is really important because it also, the other shift in mindset is, is remember this referral source who's going to help you help more people because they're going to refer someone to you, right? At the end of the day, like the relationship you have with them matters so much because they're putting their reputation on the line to refer to you. And let's be honest, there's not one divorce attorney in anyone's town, Right. There's not one estate planning attorney. There's not one, you know, intellectual property attorney in any one town. There are dozens, if not hundreds, if not more, depending on where you live. And so they could pick anyone, but there's a reason they're picking you. And that comes down to the relationship and trust they have in you, but they're helping someone else while they get to help you help someone else. Their real motivation is helping someone who has a problem and referring that person to you lets them be the hero. Right. And at the same time, it allows them to help somebody, which is really what most of us 
are actually born to want to do is to help others. I mean, I think it's why help is one of the most powerful four letter words in the English language on the positive side. It is. Oh, it so is. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, I have such a heart for helping other people. Like, I mean, it's a joke how much I love connecting people, you know, like when somebody's like, oh, I'm looking for, you know, this type of doctor or this type of whatever. I love being able to provide them those names and resources. I mean, to me, it just opens up everybody's world so much more when we can step in and do that and help each other. And I mean, I've seen amazing things happen where, you know, I've had a friend who needed a like a cancer doctor. And strangely, I had a friend who was in Pilates with, you know, one of the board of directors of MD Anderson, being able to hook up that board of director from MD Anderson to my friend who needed to get into MD Anderson immediately and was getting kind of stonewalled by their intake process. I mean, it was actually life-saving. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. And what a random thing. But It's not random because I think developing those relationships is just, I mean, it's so critical, so critical. And you may never have another friend that you have to refer into MD Anderson, right? I mean, actually, let's pray for that. Like that would be great that you you never have to help someone get in a life or death situation there. And those are amazing opportunities where you get to help someone. And it's not like you wake up every day and you're like, who can I refer to somebody else? Because I want to be a hero today, right? Like, But that's what we get to be. We get to be a hero when we're helping someone else. What I want business owners to understand is is recognizing your referral source as the hero, and they're going to refer the prospect to you because they're helping someone. The fact that you just got a new client is bonus and awesome, and you're a part of this important three-part, like three cast of characters, but you're Mm -hmm. the least important. In the three cast of characters. The most important isn't even the prospect, your soon-to-be hopefully new client. It's your referral source. And when you understand that and you're like, okay, now I need to build a plan that I can use, that I can take care of, right? That I can actually deploy. That's why we build a plan so that we actually will make it happen. As we build a plan to take care of those referral sources, it's because at the same time, we just want to make sure we maintain that relationship and we're keeping connection. Which means there's things we do and things we don't do that are actually going to be seen as genuine or not, right? We always want to be authentic, but it's always coming back down to that human dynamic and that human element. It's so powerful to listen to you speak about what you do and how you can bring this to business owners. Because I think, especially in today's world, I think a lot of times people have lost some of the connectivity, you know, and I think that there's so much we can gain from understanding what you've learned and the process that you've set forth. And I really, really appreciate you helping us understand. I mean, if somebody was going to like, you know, right now they get off this and they're not listening anymore, but they want to take the first step. I mean, what should they do? Should they go to your website? What should they do to kind of just jumpstart and do the very first thing they should do? Yeah. So it kind of depends, I guess, at what level you're ready to jump in from that Mm -hmm. perspective. I always tell folks, if you're ready to jump in and you know you want this and you want someone to like lay it out for you step-by-step and show you what to do and get it all right the first time around, then you're Mm going to want to check out the program Growth by Referrals. But if you still want to soak in a little bit more information, and that website is growthbyreferrals.com. But if you want to like, hey, you know what? This is great. Now I want to know a little more. I always tell folks, either check out the podcast or grab the book off of Amazon or anywhere that books are sold, generating business referrals without asking. Because the very first step I'm going to teach you, regardless if you're in my program or not, is going to be how to identify your referral sources. And I'm going to break that down in chapter eight. And here's why. 
Yes, it's so important for people to know who are their referral sources because, of course, you don't know what to do until you know these people. But actually, the most empowering step that people go through with my process, it's all amazing, I like to say, right? But like the most empowering step that people go through is when they look at those lists of people, their names in black and white, and they're realizing there are humans with those names attached to them, right? And they're realizing for a moment, oh my gosh, these people help me grow my practice. And then they look at that list and they're like, and I've been ignoring them or I haven't talked to them in nine months or whatever it is, right? I don't even write a thank you note. I'm so busy. I just send a text or an email, which that's not good, right? Like I don't even send a thank you note. It's an empowering moment in your business to look at the Mm -hmm. people who've referred you over the last couple of years and then ask yourself a question. Do they deserve to be taken care of differently if the end result is you doing the right thing and a process that'll allow you to get more referrals? Then I always say, take the next step, check out the program, read the book, start listening to the podcast. Awesome. I really appreciate your time today. I mean, it's been so valuable and we will make sure to put in the show notes, links to, you know, the website, the podcast, the book, so that people can, you know, get access to those things quickly. But I mean, Stacey, I really appreciate your time and I can't wait for more people to learn from you because it's just kind of a magical process, actually. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, and I hope you have a great day and good luck with your middle school fun. I mean, (laughs) I'm going to be keeping you in my thoughts for sure. I would very much appreciate that. Thank you. very. Let's just pray we all make it to high school in one piece. I mean, I have joked, unfortunately, you know, and it's kind of a sad joke. I mean, just keeping all six of ours alive, I felt was accomplishment. I mean, (laughs) it was like, you know, there are days that you're just like, are we going to get through this or not? And so, so true. yeah, it is a process. Will you enjoy the rest of your day? And thanks again, Stacy. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time. <laughs>